Hello, I'm Sam Fletcher. Um, I'm doing some gigs in London. They're, they're the full show of the show that I did in Edinburgh that uh, that got some interest from some people, um, and it's got a bit of steam behind it. So I'm doing some gigs in London. Um, it's called Good on Paper, and it's uh, involves some drawings, some magic tricks, some inventions, um, and a song about shoes as well which which is enjoyable to do uh but it has nothing to do with the with the show um so those shows are, are in uh the 15th and the 16th of October uh, at the Hen and Chickens Theatre in Islington um also you can follow me on Twitter at uh, mongoose king don't ask <laughs> i i basically i started sort of thinking when I first went on Twitter, I'm not I'm not going to be good at Twitter, so I just thought I'll just put on any old name in, and then it's it's just stuck. And I realised I can change it, but it'd be a bit weird now. So changing it's like when um, the post office changed their name, isn't it? To what was they changed their name to? They, Insignia, I think it was. Anyway, uh, also on Facebook as well, I've made a fan page since Edinburgh um, uh, because of the the award. I thought might as well I got nominated, so I might as well sort of do a fan page. I wouldn't have done it otherwise. It's quite arrogant. But uh, so yeah, you can find me on on you can be a be a fan on on Facebook. Just find me at Sam Fletcher. It's, it hasn't got Mongoose King on that. Also, I'm doing. I've got Instagram as well. If you want to go on Instagram, that's at Mongoose King too. <laughs> yeah, I thought I might as well keep the branding up. Anyway, um, yes. So those are my my gigs. Fifteenth and sixteenth of October, Hen and Chickens, Islington. So Sam, how did you get into comedy? I got into comedy um, by going up to Edinburgh and pretending I was a technician. Uh, my first year of Edinburgh, which is probably about 2004. Um, I'd, I'd done a bit of performing before then, but I just wanted to see what Edinburgh was like. And I went up there um, and I worked for a, uh, just for a company who were just putting on just mostly plays. But then they also did a night, which was a comedy sort of lineup night that was run by a guy called Matt Holt. Um, and... I got to watch a lot of comedy every night. I used to tech this show, and I used to see proper top comics doing stuff. Like he would get loads of really good names in. He was quite good friends with quite a few big names. Um, and I used to just tech all those shows and watch tons of it, and it was brilliant. And I got to meet a lot of them because they were just quite nice people. So it was great. And that was the same year that uh, Tim Key and Freeze with Tom Basden was the first time they'd ever done a gig, and that was the gig that I was teching. And from then on. I've teched their shows. So that's kind of how I got in. I just sort of met other people and started doing doing comedy that way, really. And do you still tech their shows? Yeah, yeah, I still tech their shows. Uh, I, well, they they did a few tours and when they get into bigger venues, I can't tech, I can't take those venues <laughs> because I, I'm, a, I'm a technician in the sense of somebody who sort of presses play. <laughs> rather than a technician who does anything else i don't think i don't think that actually that category exists but i'm that's what i'm it i've created my own category basically I, all i do is sort of i press i press buttons and occasionally sort of chat to the performer um it's a niche but that's my job yeah the old fletcher-esque tech yeah exactly oh exactly i'd love it to be known as fletch yeah, I do a fletch, which basically means, yeah, they've got very basic understanding of tech and the rest of it, they can't do anything. I mean, people have asked me this year, I can't believe how it still happens, but people ask me this year if I could tech their show in Edinburgh. And I'm like, have you not seen what I do? <laughs> have you not seen the terrible work that I do? Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's really odd that. You could draw them a microphone if it broke. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, probably. Just draw something. I'll, I'll whip something up. I'll whip something up. Um, yeah, I, honestly, we, they, the reason why I stopped doing the bigger venues is because I had to tell, like, the you know the head technician of that venue, of the theatre, I had to say to them, um, I have to be really quiet and go up to them and go, uh, I can't, I can't, te- I can't, I don't understand how to use your, your, your table. And they're like, well, this is a standard, you know, XLP frog thing. You just, you know, just standard, it's a standard one. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do it. And I have to explain that. And it, Tim was doing, when he started doing his tour on the big, big venues, I had to explain I couldn't do them. So then they got in a proper tech because I was like, I, you know, yeah, they expected too much of me. I think that they, they actually believed that they believed their own, their, their own uh, thing. Oh, yeah. Key basically believed the own his own story that he weaved of me. Basically, thought I was really good, <laughs> which he, he knew I wasn't. Yeah. And what was your first gig like? Oh, uh, my first gig um, was pretty terrible because I I'd over over analysed most of the set really because I I put too much pressure on myself because I'd been doing all this stuff with other people. I kind of. There's a the thing of like ignorance is bliss. Do you know what I mean? I, I wish I'd started doing stand up without the sort of the build up of sort of knowing everyone else and doing it that way because I, I just sort of kept thinking no this is not this is this is not this is this too much like that person too much like this person and I should have just tried it tried it out. So the, the first few gigs were pretty pretty bad because I tried to be a certain style or tried to do something a bit too much and now it's thankfully it's become much more organic and much more real but the first one was terrible I used to do a set which was basically all to uh, I'd, I'd edited some music together so it'd be five minutes so I knew it was five minutes long because I always worry about doing too much doing too little so I did I, I did a soundtrack that was five minutes long so I knew how long it would be so when it finished I knew I had to get off um, and also all the music was correlated to each of the sections that I did it was it was way too much for somebody's first gig. It was way too much, uh, but it, yeah, thankfully, I mean, it's some of those things I still do in the act now, but a bit different, yeah. And when did you start mixing drawing and comedy? Um, a bit later on. It was it was during the kind of as I said, this more organic process where I started thinking what what could be quite funny and what's funny that I do and things that I quite enjoy doing, which is usually sort of analysing my own drawings. So I draw quite a bit anyway, but I quite like sort of pointing out things on my drawings and things that, you know, sort of you notice and little sort of quirks and stuff in drawings. Um, and then also I found that they can they can add sort of a different type of punchline because it gives you something to look at anyway. And I think I perform quite visually. A lot of my stuff's quite visual. It's not it's not that sort of wordy. I, I think visually and I sort of work visually and I, I have that sort of style. So to have drawings in it was just a natural progression, natural things to have, and it seemed quite normal to, to add those in. I, I know other comics who who draw and who do art and stuff like that, but um, the, the thing is, they, and they keep it very separate. They keep it very separate. So you've got something like uh, Harry Hill, who does drawings but and paintings, but he doesn't do it on stage. And you have Noel Fielding as well, who does it too. But they they have that as a separate line. And I don't know whether I've uh, I should have kept my drawings as a separate line because then later on I could have had that as you know, oh I've got a book or I've got these things. So I don't know if whether <laughs> I should have kept that as you know like an extra string to the bow. But I've I've just happily just gone straight in and go I do drawings. <laughs> But there are lots of people like Beck Hill and Adam Larter who also do that. Absolutely, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, the the, the newbies, the new ones, the new generation who uh, who um, who use that. That's true. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. 
And so whilst teching Tim Key, did you find that having that experience of watching so much live comedy helped not only for doing your first gig, but also in terms of generally gigging? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, watching Tim work um, and also just sort of being kind of with him before and after gigs as well has been so beneficial and really eye-opening about how, you know, how you sort of deal with good gigs and bad gigs and um, and just the way he works as well, the way he chooses his gigs and the way he does things. Um, it's, I don't think it's unique the way, the way he does that. I'm sure lots of other people have that sort of tech that make those choices. But it was really interesting to watch him do those things. And yeah, it, it bene I benefited quite a lot from, from that, I think, because... I mean, especially with going up to Edinburgh this year, really helped knowing how how Tim coped with some of those highs and some of those lows. It was really interesting because it kind of made me feel like I wasn't, you know, it wasn't the first time this was happening and it was really nice to sort of see how somebody else dealt with it. Um, but also, yeah, with other gigs, it's, it's been good too because it helps kind of choose the right gigs and, and stuff like that. But again, as I said previously, it can also be an absolute ball ache knowing too much and knowing how things work and do you know what I mean and it's that whole thing of like oh god I know I, sometimes, sometimes you can know too much that's that's a problem so yeah I, I feel I feel very uh, positive that I, that I had that experience but at the same time I do wonder what it would have been like without knowing all that stuff do you find that you get heckled a lot um no but I well partly but the thing is I wouldn't call it heckling I don't consider it heckling because most of the time people because Initially, when, you, when anyone, I think the layperson would hear the term heckling, you think heckle, somebody has thought of something to say and they've thought it out quite quite strictly and then they say something. Usually, it is somebody just, just shouting some some something that you can't even hear. It's just babbling this thing out. And then you, then you have to kind of start sort of working your way through what do they say, what went on. And it's just a conversation. It's somebody who's just sort of having a conversation with you who just wants to shout something. So I kind of consider it more like a thing of whether I can make this a thing that works or even usually I play the other card I mean most people would probably say this is sacrilegious but I usually play the sort of the meek card rather than um, the arrogant side of it a lot of people will meet uh, a heckler with sort of uh, you know they'll try to trump them I think because of the style that I do anyway, I'm quite, I'm quite sort of, I look, I have, I cut quite a nervous figure on stage anyway. I know that, and also the fact that I'm doing magic tricks and drawings already, I do have a slightly low status. Um, so I think it'd be, it's funnier to play, to play it like I'm hurt by the person, or play like I'm trying to have a relation. If it's a lady who shouts something, I kind of try to make it like I've, you know, just, just awkward with women. And if it's a guy shouting something, I can't again feel, I, I, I treat it and make the audience feel like I'm being bullied by the person, and then it's, I find that's funnier and so I try to do it the other way around because I just think I'm not going to be that witty usually you can't be that witty with somebody on if they're shouting stuff I mean it, some people are really good at it but I'm not so I just play the other way I just do it as a character thing and with the nature of your set it's quite interactive anyway so the bit with the thumbs or when you do tiny eyes and people yeah. and, <laughs> and and people shout I haven't seen it yet I haven't seen it and so you you encourage that in a sense with the nature of your material Yes, I do, yeah. And also, I, I like it when people get involved. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I really enjoy it when people, when people, take, when people take on the things that I do. Um, I like, I enjoy that. I, there's something, I, I encouraged it in Edinburgh as well. Try to just get chatting to people and, so, you know, try to get that involved. So then it's less, so it's less about, 
so it's less about you know you're doing my my act to me thank you um that's why i don't consider it as heckling because i consider anybody wanting to say something they have a reason for saying it they have a reason for shouting that out and it's important for me to to find out what they wanted to say or if they didn't we'll sort of cut it off or it you know i think it's it's the wrong way to think of it as like a heckle because i encourage sometimes people to shout stuff out or you know yeah yeah, it's a different thing. It's like it's a little team. I I like to treat the audience like they're a little kind of gang, and we can we can kind of you know do comedy together. Yes, well, sort of up to a level. Yeah, <laughs> up to a level. It's my job, really. But yeah, I wasn't trying to heckle you there by doing tiny eyes whilst you were speaking. Oh, yeah, no, you said about the whole heckle thing. I realised well, actually, what that didn't cover was sort of silent heckling, which is when somebody then just decides to do part of my act at me. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, thanks a lot. It's a brilliant joke for any listeners that haven't seen it yet. It's one of the best jokes. It's nice of you to, to have an interview and then also do part of my act, which is the most visual part of my act, <laughs> <laughs> and then tell people it's really good because we're doing it on an audio basis. Yeah. Well, you should all go and see Sam live. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good work. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's all, it's all visual. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go about writing your material, your visual material (laughs) (laughs) well yeah well that there was a realization that a lot of it was visual after i'd tried writing some i would say clever wordplay and it turns out that then i so i did a bit of clever wordplay and then i would do like a divvy trick or even do something like this thing i do with my eyes tiny eyes where i just use it's just my glasses magnifying my eyes i found that got a much better reaction was much funnier than any attempt at me trying to do wordplay and so what i realized was that actually if i wrote stuff or i tried to remember or write in the sense of writing like a six-year-old or finding the type of thing that six-year-old would find funny and then do that in sort of you know uh in clubs where nobody's expecting that and then try to treat it like it's cultured sort of material and really you know really sort of clever material when it partly isn't at all that's that sort of sums it up really that's what the act is it's sort of using really kind of simple premises and sort of trying to push it to make it look like it's really clever when most of it isn't and it's all yeah all visual really i mean i do do there are kind of i do write jokes um and i'm trying to write more kind of wordy stuff but still with that with that sort of um approach you know sort of uh six-year-old approach (laughs) well your day job is at the science museum with children so do you find that working with children on a day-to-day basis has an impact on the kind of material you do yes absolutely and i'm sure other well sure comedians who do like comedy club for kids and done that they're sometimes kids are the can be the best audience and sometimes they can be the complete they can be really bad really hard to sort of perform to and so yeah sometimes i mean i have done tiny eyes to some kids at uh at the science museum and they hated it absolutely hated it and they were like what's what are you doing and but i love that and i find that really i start finding that really funny if they, you know that that kind of reaction what does tiny eyes have to do with science Ah, well, I think you'll find it's all about magnetism, isn't it? Not magnetism. <laughs> Not magnetism. I bet, oh, I've got it completely wrong. It's about magnifying. I mean, it starts with the same sort of four letters, doesn't it? It was a, it was a bit Fletch, wasn't it? It was a bit Fletch. That <laughs> went straight into me being dopey Fletch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it's about. I mean, we've actually got a thing. We've got, uh, yeah. 
I've actually got genuinely, there's a thing in the launch pad, which is the interactive uh, gallery. Um, there is a thing that's actually uh, about lenses. It's it's a lenses thing uh, where you can move these lenses backwards and forwards and make your face sort of bigger and smaller and upside down. And I was explaining this to, to a family and I showed them, I did Tiny Eyes, and this is the first time I've ever done it to anybody sort of outside of like a comedy club. And one of my colleagues who has seen the act went past and was like, he's not doing tiny eyes for you, is he? He's not. And I'm like, oh, why did you have to spot that? And he was like, oh, yeah, you, I'm afraid he does this all the time. And he sort of really wound me up about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I shouldn't at all. I shouldn't uh, mix any of that because it doesn't seem to go down too well. But to answer your question, yeah, it can be very beneficial. I think it must have rubbed off and why, why I, I'd sort of taken on both doing stand-up and also being, you know, working as an explainer. Do you ever tell the children that you're also a comedian? Never. Never. I, I think to, they expect too much if, if, you, if you tell them that. To be honest, I think that's with anybody. They expect too much. If you're, I'm still struggling, personally. I'm still struggling with the idea that I'm a stand-up comedian. Or even to, I think, again, calling it as being a stand-up comedian is, is, a, is a difficult title to, to live with. Just because it's it's awkward. It's as as is I've trained as an actor, and I find that awkward telling people that I'm an actor because it's I mean it's hard to sort of it's when you I, I guess I'd imagine doing this with any job it, I'd probably find it hard to explain what I do because I'm I'm sure there's some people whose jobs they, they go I don't you know I don't know how to explain it uh, but yeah I think some of those titles are sometimes quite hard to uh, to sort of either consider. It's like doing things like this. I mean, just f- talking about comedy sometimes I sort of find it weird because it doesn't feel like a job and it's not really... I mean, it, and it is a job, but in the same way, like like saying that I'm an explainer at the Science Museum, that's, that doesn't sound like a job either, does it? I don't seem to do any job that has a real kind of uh, title. But even with a doctor saying, I save people's lives. Yeah, true, true. Or even like uh, like an accountant saying basically what I do is I sort of look at money and I try to sort of make money work... For you. For you, yes. <laughs> hey, I can be an accountant. <laughs> I think I've got a much better grasp on what an accountant is rather than a comedian. <laughs> Just as long as you don't fletch that with people's money, I think it should yeah. be fine. <laughs> <laughs> fletch it up, yeah. That'd be great. Fletch accountancy. <laughs> Start trending it on Twitter. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's a good idea. Right, okay. So if anyone wants uh, to, to sort of have their accounts done by me, I'm, I'm happy to take... I mean, I don't... I have an accountant. I wouldn't do my own accounts, but I wouldn't trust me at all with my with money. But I mean, if you were interested, I mean, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? Funny money. That would be the that would be the tagline to the uh, to Fletch Accountancy. Funny money. <laughs> Thanks. And then this year was your first hour at Edinburgh, and you performed on the Free Fringe, and you were also nominated for the Foster's Edinburgh Comedy Award Best Newcomer. So did you expect it to be as good as it was on the Free Fringe or did you think about taking it to a ticketed venue? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, the The approach to that was very much, I to and froed quite a lot about whether I wanted to go to a full fat or to a Free Fringe. I think there's that's how I sort of see it. I mean, it's full fat in the sense, by full fat I mean not that it has any better kind of uh, value to it than the Free Fringe at all. By that I sort of mean... The, the amount of money that a performer would pay to to do that and i mean the the amount of sort of uh, time and um uh, 
and pressure as well that that puts on you. But when I chose to do the free fringe, there was a definite feeling that I wouldn't that the, that choice wouldn't take away any of the pressure. It would still mean that I'd have to write a show that I would say is the same quality that I would see on a on a ticketed venue. I, I just thought it just seemed to fit much better for the kind of show that I wanted to do, the type of audience that I wanted, and also to kind of test test out what I did as well, just as an idea of what I wanted to do. And I thought that it kind of felt like I could do that there, and it felt a bit more comfortable doing it there, really. Um, it took it took a little bit of, um, I'm going to say pressure, but I don't mean it like that. I mean, it took away a little bit of the worry that I would be... I think what it did was it allowed me to, to be a bit more, to, to have a bit more leg room. I think because after seeing other people who do shows at ticketed venues, sometimes it feels that you're it's quite condensed and you have to sort of do work within their remit, work within sort of what they need to do. At the free fringe, you literally are given a room and you can sort of do whatever you want uh, within reason, but you can have a bit more a bit more fun with sort of pushing the boundaries slightly. I think. So, what advice would you give to acts thinking of taking a show up to the Edinburgh Festival? Um. I would say it's very important to to do. It's a really good thing that you can get lots of stuff out of, but you need to you need to be prepared for it. I think, um, and also, I mean, I would very much support anyone who would want to go on the free fringe, but I don't think that that should be that 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 is an option, but it shouldn't be the only option. You should look at all of you know. There's to do a ticketed venue is as in, can be as beneficial as doing a free one. I think, but yeah, just just go up, just go up to see as much stuff, to be in as much stuff. I think being involved in shows as well, rather than not not just performing, but just being involved in shows can be really beneficial because it can take the pressure off you thinking, God, I need to be up here performing. You can be doing stuff with other people. You can do it as a part of sketch group. But you can also just be, you know, like either directing or sort of co-writing. I know loads of people who do all that. And they get so much out of it. And you get to mingle with everybody and you get to do the same things that every performer does. But you can sort of have the pressure off and you can have a little bit of fun and you can get drunk and you can go and see as much other stuff and hang out with people. There's a real benefit of doing that. I mean, at the same time, it's finding the right kind of position to sort of put yourself in. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, I guess sort of anybody involved in it it's, would say it's a great thing. So how did you feel when you found out that you were nominated for a Foster's Edinburgh Comedy Award? Oh, well, I, I, uh, I mean, I've always... Needless to say, I think a lot of people would fan- say they fantasised about the idea. And for years, I've always... It's been a, a thing that I'd love to have kind of at least even got sort of considered for. It's incredible. And it's uh, it was really nice to... And quite humbling because I'd never thought, especially on the free fringe, because the way I was doing it was all about the show rather about sort of getting seen, really. So it was very nice that people came along and saw it and and sort of put it on that list. Uh, but I found out in a really lovely, quite poignant way. Uh, do you know? Do you know? Have I ever mentioned this? It was really yeah. Basically, my show was one thirty. We finished at one thirty. The awards were announced at one o'clock. So I had no idea. I knew I'd been. I knew I'd been long listed, but that was like a rumor, so I didn't really know. Uh, yeah, so basically, I I kind of had a re- I sort of knew that something was something was up because like Nika Burns had been in about three times. I thought seems a bit odd, doesn't it? <laughs> but also, I knew that I recognised her from uh, when I was doing stuff with Tim, and and also I just recognised a few people who'd been back before. You know, that kind of thing, you, you know, you get you get the idea. Um, so then 
I knew that was the day that they were going to be announced, uh, but I, I just thought, I'm not going to find out until afterwards. Um, and what I do in the show is I let people out at the end. I open the door and let people out. And on the other side of the door was Tim Key and Charlie uh, from The Dot as well, with The Invisible Dot. And they were both there. And uh, they he was out of breath. He was put his hands, he had his hands on his legs and just sort of out of breath and just uh, bent over, you know, like sort of, sort of fold, just sort of folded over. And he was like there and just going, uh, you've heard, yeah? You've heard. I'm like, no, no, of course, well, I haven't heard. And he was like, you've, you've done it. You've, you've been, you've been nominated. Um, and I, and, uh, and gave me a massive hug. And I, and he, he's, he'll say this as well. I realised he's been telling people this. I, I cried a bit. <laughs> I, I got quite teary, and so did he, uh, because it was. I was there when he'd heard about his nomination. I got really teary. I sort of crumbled slightly because, for, I think, to get nominated is as important i mean i, I mean any, i know that's what anyone who you know loses say but i think it's just it's it can be as important and it i to be honest i would have felt a lot of a lot of angst i get angst i'm an angsty person anyway so i'd have got i'd have been really nervous if i'd got any cl- closer than that i think i'm re- i feel very very happy that i am privileged that i was sort of there with the position that i'm i was given i just yeah it was just amazing and it's um yeah, it sort of meant quite a lot, and because I'd sort of knew something was something was up by the fact that some people had been in and stuff, but I didn't want to sort of talk about it. I didn't want to tell anybody because it was just one of those things of like it seems a bit weird if I start telling people that I think something something might happen here. But I was living with Holly Byrne, and Holly Byrne sort of knew what was going on as well. And so the morning that I left to go and do my gig, so I had to leave every morning to go off. She came out of the room, out of her room, and she sort of gave me a little hug. Gave me, she's all right, all right. She calls me Peter. <laughs> I call her Steve. Even. She called. She went, goes. All right, Peter. Have a good one. And I'm like, okay. And she sort of knew. We sort of knew what was going on. But um, it was only sort of really her that kind of you know sort of we shared that sort of knowledge. And my director as well. Kind of we sort of had a bit. So yeah, it was that final moment to kind of feel like this was it. That that was the biggest struggle. Rather than the next stage of the the the, the actual nominees and then getting to the the main awards. It, that that was the real kind of moment. Have you found that? being nominated has had an effect on the kind of gigs that you're doing now and the kind of audiences that have come to see you absolutely yes uh in a very in a very good way i've been offered a lot more gigs and i'm um, gigging a lot more and I, I mean when i send out the every every you know like everyone else does the emails uh I, I it's nice to kind of get people it's nice to have that thing to say and also to be honest regardless of that i had some really nice reviews this year and it was really nice to have some people say some nice things so that can help as well so i think on the basis of just good reviews regardless of if i'd got nominated i think i would have still hopefully got some more gigs off the back of some nice reviews and things um but also yeah the audiences sometimes it can be really beneficial because they're like oh this guy must be good. The other side, it, it can be literally the same sentence, but with a different emphasis. This guy must be good. Uh, as in, he must be, uh, I'm expecting a lot of this guy. Uh, so that can sometimes be quite sort of nerve-wracking because people go, who is this? Who We've never seen him before. So there's, there's a nice balance because I've got kind of a clean slate where I can sort of, nobody knows a lot of people have, wouldn't have seen the show or some people wouldn't have known me from doing stuff with Tim so there's that kind of side of it which is quite nice but then the other side is obviously people being quite judgmental and going come on then funny boy <laughs> tiny eyes <laughs> come on then tiny eyes <laughs> what else have you got yeah yeah one of those ones so did you read your reviews whilst you were in Edinburgh I sort of sort of 
I I went up not wanting to read any, and I read a really nice one quite early on because a lot of people had seen it and then said, "Oh, it's a nice one from from the Metro." I was like, "Okay," so I had to read, and then I decided, but I still was like, "I don't want to be reading them." Um, and then my dad came up, my, my parents came up, and my dad said, oh, you've been reading any more? I was like, no, no, I haven't been reading any more. Um, he was in the same room. While he was doing that, I had a little look on the internet. I thought, do you know what, I'll have a quick look. So I had a look on the internet, Googled it, found a two-star review. <laughs> I thought, why have, I, why have I done this? Why have I done this? Um, and I never mentioned it. I never mentioned it to my dad that I'd found a two-star review. I only told him, like, after Edinburgh, I said, you know, you, uh, when you asked me if I should look for some more, and I found that, and he was like, oh, sorry about that. But my dad, basically, my dad daily googles me he'll google me every day he's very supportive and he does all that for me now he knows that i won't look because i i think it can be it can be very good to read your own reviews but i think it can also be quite beneficial i think it can go both ways if it's really good that can still affect your show because you can go on with sort of this added arrogance that that might not be necessary as i i'm quite pleased that i've now Try. I think I think I've got it, so I, don't, I won't read any more reviews from now on ever. But I mean, that's that's a big thing to keep up. Do you know what I mean? And especially when acts don't have a PR, you have to read your reviews in a sense to get the quotes to put on posters. Yes. Yes. Well, in fact, I had a I had PR. I had PR this year. Um, I decided I thought if I'm going to go on the free fringe, why not sort of have a little play and sort of see? Well, look, this will be my first year. I might as well. People will be interested to see what what I might be doing for my first year. So I thought the only way to kind of guarantee a bit more people, rather than just the people who sort of knew me as Fletch, I thought let's just get a bit of press interest if I can. And thankfully, off the back of them knowing me as Fletch, it meant that I could get a little bit more. I think because it meant that they would come along because they'd sort of seen me and other stuff. Uh, but yes. So, but at the same time, I thought because it's PR, I thought that's their job. They're going to read that, and they were happy. That's their, you know, that's what they do. So I thought I'd leave them to read them, and they can tell me if they're good or not, whether I should be using them or not. Um, but at the same time, same time, as I say, my dad is basically when I'm when not in Edinburgh, my dad is my PR. He'll sort of look through all of the things that've been said on on online, look through stuff, and just go, "You got this, got a nice little thing." <laughs> so send me a, tell me what I've got on there. Yeah, it's quite nice. And then apart from doing stand up. You've also done acting, as you mentioned before, and then you were in For the Win, which was on the BBC. So you've done lots of different performance mediums within comedy. Is there one that you prefer the most? What, like live or live or um, screen? Okay, well, I, I like a bit of both, to be honest. I think it's that uh, thing of trying to find a happy medium, do you know what I mean, between, between the two mediums. <laughs> Thanks. It's pretty good. Um, Kids love that. Yeah, honestly, they honestly they love this kind of stuff. Uh, the stuff that's off the top of my head, they love. Um, yeah, uh, I I think there's a bit of both. I quite like uh, by doing. I I studied a three year course in acting, and that kind of set me up for sort of knowing that I would like to do both. And they 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 both had their sort of benefits. They also have their real kind of um, kind of horrible things as well. I mean, there's sometimes like screen stuff. It takes bloody ages to get it filmed, and then you're sitting around going, "I'm really, I'm ready for this now. I'm ready to do this on screen." And then you take it takes bloody ages for you to do it, and then, then when you're actually doing it, you're thinking, "I don't have the same energy as I had like two hours ago <laughs> for this." Um, but at the same time, like for, for I mean, 
for the theatre, it's it's firstly hard to be getting the theatre stuff sometimes, and it also depends on what you're doing, and then also then the repetitiveness of doing it. It's you know, something. To be honest, it's a sort of I, I bet it's what every every person says about it. They like a bit of both, probably. Yeah, sorry, what a boring answer. <laughs> it's not boring at all. Good, thanks, thanks. And did you find that when you were studying acting that you were always playing comic roles? Um, kind of, kind of. Uh, at drama school, they basically, what they did was they sort of deliberately would put me up for comedy roles to get me to sort of push myself in that in that area. But then they deliberately always put me for more serious stuff. I think it's just to make sure you can do a bit of both. But I mean, at school, absolutely. When I was at school, it was just like, get Sam to do the silly bits. Do you know what I mean? Get get him to sort of ham it up. Uh, but but from then, then on, I... I like any sort of comic actor, I think there's people who they enjoy doing a bit of both. Um, but yeah, at the moment, obviously, I'm being pushed for more, for more kind of comedy stuff. But uh, I can do both. <laughs> I can do both. And at school, were you interested in comedy the way you are now? Yeah, yeah. I remember at school with a friend called Eric Steggles, who I'm still friends with, right? Eric Steggles, who's got an orthodox spelling of his name because it's with a k instead of a c interesting uh the viking way apparently he always told me um eric steggles uh and me would used to do uh sort of shows by the bench in the playground we'd do sort of silly shows we'd call them i was only remembering this uh sort of a few few days ago we used to do these shows and just sort of uh try to make girls laugh I mean, we're talking kind of like year year four year five we used to do i remember and it was just i mean I I bet it was pretty good because I mean I mean that was my ideal audience at that point and I mean I was you know that was probably where I was writing my best stuff and I wish I'd you know wish I recorded those gigs <laughs> I can imagine that I could have been recording those gigs that's the most free gigs a taste for the free fringe daily gigs I was doing them daily I mean I was good audiences constantly writing constantly writing exactly yeah yeah and it um, it was a good atmosphere good people to be working with as well just I mean. Uh, Eric doesn't do doesn't do it anymore. Unfortunately, he sort of he gave up when he was about seven, I think. So yeah, <laughs> Eric went into into music. He was we lost him to the music industry, unfortunately. On the other bench. Yeah, he went over to the other bench. Yeah, and he went to this choir. He started school choir. So you've performed to lots of different audiences, playground, yeah, yeah. <laughs> children at the science museum, and also audiences in a comedy club or a comedy venue. So is there a specific type of audience that you prefer performing to the most? Um, no, I, I think I think it's uh, people who are up for it are probably, I mean, that's such a sort of, uh, you know, anybody wants that. But I think as an audience, I'm just trying to think of like when I've had difficult audiences, the people who either, again, during Edinburgh, it was the most difficult audience was the audience that was just after the nomination. And so, get this right, I from the nominate the day that it was nominated, I had eight people in. Right, I'd been getting quite reasonably good audiences. Let me just say, let me just put that out there. I wasn't getting eight every day, but that day I had eight in. Um, and then on the next day, I had about seventy. And the capacity of the room is only about 35, 40 people, right? So to get then get then get that 70 in, because we'd actually counted them in. Um, and I was like, geez. And the audience, firstly, because it was just way too big. I hadn't performed that show to that capacity before, that size. And then also these people 
like I mentioned before, the kind of that was the audience that were very much like, come on then. They expected something, and unfortunately, they will continue to expect it right until the end. They're not the type of audience who will instantly, after like the first sort of two minutes, go, "This, this is good." It's quite difficult, quite cold audience. Um, so I guess it's the audiences who are expecting quite a lot from you. If you've been bigged up, I mean, it's the worst thing to, for any comic to have the compare go. This either this guy, this is the this is the biggest gig that he's done, or this is like uh, this guy's really funny as well as a difficult thing to have say before you go. And I guess it's cold audiences, yeah, the worst ones. Do you have a favourite type of venue that you prefer performing in? Um, yeah, I quite I quite like small small little venues. Um, I'm doing a lot. I've been doing a few more bigger. Well. A few more. I've been doing a few more bigger ones. <laughs> Sometimes I listen to actually what I'm saying. <laughs> I've been speaking like this for the whole <laughs> interview. Sometimes I quite like big. I quite like. I quite like big ones. Did I say that? No, it's something weirder than that. Anyway, yeah, I said uh, yeah, yeah. I have been doing larger venues. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That sounds right. Yeah, I've been doing larger venues uh, because of the because of the interest from from Edinburgh. And which is great, and I enjoy doing those. But I also like I I mean because the gig, because the show basically was to was written, knowing that I was doing that venue, knowing that it was thirty people capacity, knowing that I'd probably get less than thirty people at a time. I'm used to that kind of audience. Um, but also, fascinatingly, I we always thought the same thing for Key for Tim when it was when he was doing his first shows to in the hut in in the Pleasance, and I just thought he would even he would agree never considered that kind of act working in a big room and now he's doing his stuff at the um i mean he was doing it at the grand and it worked so well and it's interesting how i mean just with a little difference in sort of stagecraft and a little bit of just changing the stage slightly changing the performance slightly and how you kind of interact with the audience anybody can perform to a small group and anybody can perform to a really big group and i'm sure there's other comedians who would say they find it difficult performing to a small audience but i i think it it's just a different discipline you just have to know how to work it both ways really and do you have any tips or advice for aspiring comics um yeah i think i think uh no i don't no i do no i'm sorry i thought i did then i really thought i did <laughs> nothing i've got absolutely nothing <laughs> I, I did a lot of umming and erring i thought oh no i no i must do i thought yeah I, I know this i know this question i've got this this is sorted thank great thanks for this question and then i thought no i don't know don't know the answer um because i think i went in a sort of weird i went in a different way really because i came in sort of just wanting to be sort of involved and i quite enjoyed just being involved in some sense and then i've worked my way up i mean this would have been my seventh year in edinburgh not just not performing solely but just being being up there uh working um so i guess do as much as you can just get involved i think is probably the best best advice just get involved um regardless of what that might be uh other i mean by that i don't mean going up to comedians giving you know giving them some notes Uh, i mean get involved in the sense of you know See, see lots of stuff. Go out, uh, chat to people that you like, but don't be, a, don't be a dick about it. <laughs> That's my advice. Don't be, a, get involved, but don't be a dick. Every time you've been talking, you, it feels like your hands very close to doing sort of like a glasses wiggle, like, uh, like you know, sort of the back and sort of just using. The, every time you've, been, and I've just been sort of very 
<laughs> distracted by the fact that your your hands just so sort of just resting on the back. You've made it look like you're just resting your head on your hand, but it's so because I, I know you've been doing that before. So I'm just thinking she, when she's just biding her time. So you just go into this interview just for that one moment where he gets really into a really poignant moment, and you just go, "I'm going to bring this bit up now." Just look at these glasses. Like that. Yeah, sorry. Go on. <laughs> so you studied drama at the Royal Welsh College. Yes. Do you have any tips or advice for students? Um, yes, uh, I would say I would say um, I mean, comedy in itself is is sort of. Uh, I mean, as a do you mean students like acting students or just any any students? Both. Both. Well, I mean, as I wish I did more comedy when I was a student. I, I really wish I did more sort of like those those open mic slots uh, because I think I could have benefited from doing some just to see what I would have written. But at the same time, I think that might have scared me off. So I, it's kind of a bit of both, really. Find find what you feel comfortable doing. I think if that's anything I've learned from watching other comedians, just do what you want to be doing. If you don't want to be performing yet, don't perform. Some people will go, you must be doing as many gigs as possible and you must be doing these things. It's not true. Do what you feel comfortable doing because then you'll feel comfortable on stage and you'll feel comfortable with what, what your what your sort of uh, output is and what you're doing. Otherwise, if you just feel like you should be doing it for the sake of doing it, th there's no point. There's Or feel like you should be gigging every day. I mean, some people, that's that's what they do and if that works for them great but I, I i mean i don't like gigging like loads and loads i i sort of just like when i gig i like to think that i've made the effort to sort of go there write stuff specifically for it or write an order that i think would be different for that gig and you know think about it rather than just gigging every single day i don't know but also i mean for acting students doing comedy that I'm, I'm surprised there's not more a lot a lot more of people in my course i'd imagine more of them doing uh, comedy I mean some of them do now a lot of them doing that but yeah sometimes you think why isn't, why isn't anyone else doing this and general tips about student life um yes uh, I think you should um I mean everyone says this but you know try to find yourself I mean you don't have to but I mean it's it's a good it's a good chance to sort of uh explore a little bit I mean I I wish I was a student again I think now I kind of wish I should, should have done more as a student, just sort of done, took took a few more risks, I think, because I was quite boring. Um, uh, but I mean, at least I I learned how to do tiny eyes, and also actually I do I start my set with with uh, the drums, which is a thing where I mime playing the drums. And that was something that I used to do at uni, used to do at drama school, and basically I realised that that could work in that I could start an act with that and you that would just be my party trick uh and then i've realized i could do that so yeah um uh, so basically do do stuff and then realize you could uh turn that into an act or get paid for it so that's my advice <laughs>